This episode of the Athletic Business Podcast is brought to you by Synexis. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Business Podcast. I'm Jason Scott. And I'm Andy Bird. And today on the show, we've got a conversation with Dan Schuf. He's the Chief of Staff and Project Manager for Beloit College's Powerhouse Recreation Center. And Andy, I know that you uh, and Dan had a chance to connect. So uh, tell us a little bit about what, what we can expect from today's conversation. Yeah, um, a really great, great conversation with Dan um, about Beloit College's Powerhouse Rec Center. Um, it's a 120,000 square foot internationally recognized facility completed in February 2020. And it's really transformed um, the Beloit College campus. Um, granted, right after it opened, uh, COVID-19 hit, and so they had to kind of shut down the, all of campus. Um, but the lessons learned along the way, um, Dan has a, a lot of great insights on not only um, building, you know, a, well, first of all, they repurposed a retired power plant for, for this really cool facility. Um, but not only about, you know, kind of how to make a, a really green build, uh, building, they're, they're, uh, I believe he's a lead, uh, lead silver um, certified, but also just how this, this facility became the center of campus and of the campus community and what they envision once things get back to normal and kids, uh, students come back to school. Um, so a really, really, he offers some really practical tips to anybody that might be in the middle of a project or in the early planning phases of, of a, a new, new facility. So some great takeaways here and I'll let Dan do the talking. All right. Yeah. We, we got a fun, uh, facilities focused conversation and we'll be right back with that after a quick break. Meet the Synexus Biodefense System, the sole developer of patented technology that transforms ambient oxygen and humidity into dry hydrogen peroxide, or DHP. Wherever air goes in your facility, so too will DHP to effectively and continuously reduce viruses, bacteria, mold, odors, and insects from the air and surfaces. Learn more at Synexus.com. That's S-Y-N-E-X-I-S dot com. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking the time. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, so we wrote about the, the powerhouse at Beloit College um, last May in our issue last May, primarily uh, looking at the aquatics facility there. But the, the entire project um, is, is really exceptional in its use of a previous building. Um, and what it's done for the campus community down there at, at Beloit College. Can you just give us a little refresher on just sort of, you know, the nuts and bolts of the project and, and what the yep. school wanted to accomplish with it? Yep. Um, so uh, a lot of people know this, but Beloit College has been around since 1846. So we are a four-year undergraduate institution, very traditional in that vast majority of our students are, you know, four years out of, out of um uh, high school, 18 to 22 year old, um, wide variety of majors. We have um, a number of Division three sports as well. So we're, um, for those of your listeners around the, the nation, uh, Beloit, Wisconsin is a state line community just south of Madison and just north of Rockford, Illinois. So right on the Illinois-Wisconsin border. So our project is on an old power plant that was built in a number of stages, 1907, 1927, 1945, 
and produce power for what became Alliant Energy. And it was really a working power plant up to 2009. Always been across the street from the campus and right on the Rock River. So um, the project itself was originally conceived as uh, an athletic and recreation facility. And through a process that your higher education readers will understand very well, um, shared governance where you get feedback of a lot, lots of parts of the campus, mm-hmm. the, the campus community said, yeah, we really need that recreation and sports center, but we also really need a new student union as well. So that in, um, Andy, that's really the secret sauce of the powerhouse is, yes, it's in a beautiful setting on the river, and yes, it's in an old coal-burning power plant. And yes, it was designed by a, a really incredible architect, um, internationally known. But our program was to put these things together. So you will, you're studying for classes or having a sandwich right underneath the 175-meter track, yeah. overlooking the pool and the, and the turf field house. So we can get into that in the conversation. But that's a really interesting part for your listeners is, not everyone needs an old power plant. They can do this in any any new project. Sure. Yeah. And I get and I guess that leads right into my next question is just sort of talk, take us through a little bit of the process of when you really realize like this has to become sort of the hub for campus, which I think it essentially has become. Yeah. So we have this really beautiful historic campus, um, and we have um, uh, the uh, the residential side of campus. Um, we're on about forty acres, uh, and so. We had this need to, well, we, had, we needed a new pool. So this is, a, we have a, this is a replacement pool. And we needed a replacement field house for practice facilities. So that, those anchored the, the project. And then um, we needed a cafe and we needed a study space and some rental space for meetings. And we wanted batting cages and we wanted a, 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 like an auditorium lecture hall. So really, really interesting challenges in this project inside this old building. So um, we decided that this would be the key thing and we'd connect it with a walking bridge across the four-lane road that divides um, this location to campus. All right. So, so being right on the Rock River um, and obviously sort of inhabiting an old power plant, I know that sustainability and green design was really a, a priority for you guys. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yes. Um, so that is a huge priority for our students and our campus community. And where we ended up with is um, we ended up, we're, um, we haven't quite got our paperwork uh, back, but we expect to have LEED certification, LEED Silver, oh. based upon the efficiency of the equipment we put in. But the really interesting thing we did was we um, are bringing down our carbon footprint by using the Rock River as a geothermal source. Yeah. So. What's really interesting and what I learned since I've been on this project since 2011 is that um, the river, most rivers, but I didn't know this, uh, um, stay cool through much of the summer. They they really, like a lake would warm up, but really the Rock River stays below 70 degrees all the way into mid-July and only gets to the upper 70s at the end of August Hmm. and quickly starts cooling again. So you can imagine, when do we need air conditioning? We need it when our students are packing it in the spring. We need it throughout the summer and then in the fall. As all your listeners know is that, you know, you, you end up cooling longer than in the shoulder months because of the energy, because of the people in the spaces. 
So we essentially get free cooling and you know, wow. we pump the river water through. Early on, we went to the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources and got the, you know, what are they going to need for us to do this? And we had a pretty smooth sailing to get that permit. So we actually pumped the water through. And then um, all, your, um, all your readers are going to hear a lot about electrification in the future uh, where, where uh, stakeholders are, are going to want um, to buy green electrons from their power company sure. and then use electricity to provide whatever it is. So we actually have um, electric heat pumps that, are, that we, of course, use to cool the building and actually are the first draw to heat the building. Then we have some natural gas boilers for the really cold periods. So this geothermal um, using the river water was really interesting and is really paying dividends for us. Huh, that's very cool. Um, I, you know, obviously not every school has a, a river uh, yep. to do that kind of thing with. However, we, we talk a lot to architects about the lead process. Um, for it's, it's interesting to talk to an operator and, and get, maybe get your take on, you know, for some of our listeners who might be approaching a project like this, wh- what would you say in terms of, you know, just uh, the extra work or money that needs to go into that certification? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, so uh, years ago, I worked at the state of Wisconsin, and we had lots of debate about whether we should do state buildings at LEED, at LEED standards. And then when I started on this project, we, we talked about it a lot, and we're using what we found were pretty um, um, outdated um, metrics on this additional cost. Um, so here's, here's how we approached it is um, we ended up having a partnership. Um, we had our local architect, Joe Stottleman of Angus Young out of Janesville, Wisconsin, who mm-hmm. serves southern Wisconsin, had been our, our, pro- our project architect. And then we made a decision to go hire or do a national search for a national architect to, um, to get some pretty more innovative design, but also to bring in, help bring in uh, donations to the building and really do that. So we end up um, creating this partnership between uh, Jeannie Gang and her firm Studio Gang in Chicago and then Angus Young in, in Janesville, Wisconsin as, a, as an associate architect. Interesting, we kept Angus Young as the lead. Um, they have... Uh, lead certified people. So they're the lead commissioning agent. And then um, really Jeannie Gang ended the conversation in Chicago. She just said, well, we do all our buildings to lead standard. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it, it just, and when yeah. it became the baseline, I couldn't even tell you exactly if it cost us any more money. We knew we wanted to put a really efficient plant in there already. That's where you get most of your points sure. for your HVAC. So um, we, so that we just decided to do it. And it's for college students, um, college, you, it's really the baseline now, sure. you know, and yeah. it, it's good because it's, they're keep moving it up. The bar keeps going up. So, you know, it's not getting easier to get it. It's getting harder. So um, as a project manager, I'd say to your listeners, um, get through that. Dis- don't have it distract you too much. Make the decision, either jump off the cliff or don't, and then don't look back. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so as most of my discussions uh, go these days, we usually shift to the impact of uh, the pandemic um, because it's, it's really impacted all of our industries. Um, so the, the official opening of the powerhouse was in February of 2020. 
And I, I will say, at least he got it open. Right. Um, and then obviously uh, things changed. Can you talk a little bit about how important this building was at Beloit College um, as you guys think about reopening? Yeah, so um, so um, obviously we, we followed the same arc of COVID as most everyone, which is, you know, um, in that mid-March period, um, sent students home for spring break, told them we'd extend it a week so we'd get a chance to figure this out. Yeah. And then, you know, then they stayed remote through the semester. Um, we, we ended up uh, reopening in the fall. Um, if people were comfortable, we have a hybrid model. We were one of the first colleges to change our um, schedule to a mod system. So we split the semester in half only to give us more flexibility. Sure. thinking it's easier to change half a semester than a whole semester. So we would you do two classes at a time. Um, so we end, we've had 700 students on campus so far, sort of like normal capacity is about 1,200. We had about 700 students on campus all fall and tested and so on. And um, the powerhouse has been a really important part of that um, for a number of reasons we can get into. Yeah, interesting. I know, uh, let's talk about some of those uh, reasons that it is so so important. I know um, there's a pretty robust circulation air air movement system, uh, HVAC yeah. system. So um, we hired a firm. Um, the our mechanical engineer, which came in partnership with Jeannie Gang, was a firm called DBHMS out of Chicago. And early on, uh, they were designing the geothermal system and you know putting a system in. Um, in this building that has all this mass. It's got this thick uh, brick walls and all this concrete that was gonna be poured and already was there and steel. And they really, um, we end up going with uh, this geothermal plant that I've already talked about, but then a lot of radiant um, heating and cooling, which is of course unique in Wisconsin is to have radiant cooling. So um, once you do radiant cooling, uh, you know, which is for those of you that don't know, it's just the, radiant floors and panels that you pump coolant through. Sure. You have to be very careful about humidity. So that um, didn't allow us to have operable windows, which is always a great solution for anyone in, in you know, for fresh air, sure. have to be able to throw open the windows. Well, we couldn't do that because we have to monitor the humidity very carefully, but we put in a dedicated outdoor air system. You know, So 100% of our air comes from fresh air outside, gone through a heat recovery wheel, that has been incredible. And we've been able to dial it in so we can run it to the maximum, you know, like not, not turning it off at night, um, allowing it, you know, so you bring it in, so you're totally fresh air. Plus we already had these, um, you know, this old power plant has these huge high ceilings. So for me, it's all, um, surfaces are important, all that's true, but haven't we all learned that's all about the air? You know, at the end of the day, it's all about the air and for um, COVID. Um, you know, so we have really good, um, we haven't had any issues with people to wear, wearing masks on campus and through the entire thing and actually indoor and outdoor on campus and, um, social distancing, but then we're able to be in the system that you're bringing in hundred percent fresh air. So, um, I, if any projects are underway or get at that stage right now, I'd explore that even for a traditional, um, HVAC system is to bring in this dedicated air, um, you know, operable windows are just as important as they've always been. Sure. Uh, we're in our older buildings, 
you know, often what a professor will do is at the start of a class is open a window. And I mean, even in a cold day, because sure. bringing in fresh air is important. But um, that's been the, the system for us that's worked really well. Sure. Uh, has, has the facility been used at all just when maybe uh, an event or a class might want to spread out and, you know, uh, just, just the space alone? Yeah, exactly. Um, so a couple interesting, fun things. Um, so we have an auditorium, a kind of a, a steeply pitched auditorium that just, just because that's the space that was in the lower level, it's um, about a 160 fixed seats, um, nice huge screen for lectures or movies. Um, but it, it turns out it's great for 30 people to spread out in. Oh, sure. you know, so yeah. we have that classes are using it. Um, to spread out in this in this lecture hall, and then like here's a really interesting thing: we have a field house that was the last part that was built. That is, if you see the pictures, there's this polycarbonate plastic sort of uh, with these slit windows in it, and it's a turf field house. It's um, it's uh, 40 yards by 50 yards, so it's really it's got field turf. So it's baseball, softball, football, lacrosse, soccer ultimate frisbee so it's a it's an indoor turf field it's the only one in the area and so that was designed as a athletic practice facility we knew we might have graduation in there if it was raining it has these big sure. operable hangar doors on the end but like um uh, gina ty one of our professors i um, mean chris johnson they were teaching dance classes in there in the fall huh. so wow. typically they'd be in their dance studio but they spread out in this you know and so just examples like that we did a lot of movies in there in the fall where you um, blow up a screen and can um, students would bring in blankets and just spread out. It's essentially an outdoor space for us. Sure. Very cool. Um, you, you have to be pretty excited to see everybody when you do get a full campus and see that, that, that facility really come alive. Yeah, we're excited. Um, we think that, um, I mean, it's funny. We, we say this to folks that have worked on, this was designed to be filled with people. We, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, where we talked about the goal of the project was to be filled with life. We wanted to have students, um, their professors, the staff. We wanted the greater Bullock community to be welcomed in for events and interact with our students. So we expected it to be filled with life. We had like two weeks of that, you know, <laughs> big community open house with um, 2,500, 3,000 people came through wow. in, in a Saturday afternoon. And um, in hindsight, I'm just really happy it's not the world's biggest super spreader event. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Um, right. It was, uh, but we'll do that again. And, you know, we'll, um, there's been some discussion of whether we'll, our space will be used to do vaccinations for the community and all that kind of stuff. So it's sure. been used in all different ways. I can tell you the fourth floor, which was designed as a, a conference space, a, a big room for meetings, has been our testing center. You know? Really? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, very nice, Dan. Thank you so much for sharing about this project. I know our, our listeners are going to um, find something, some nuggets in here, especially if they're approaching a project like this. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can get down there this spring and, and actually see it open. Yeah, please do. Um, we leaned on a lot of people in this industry. Um, we went and visited places all across actually the country. So please know that um, as it becomes safe, we ex expect to pay that forward. So as people are thinking about it, please reach out to me, reach out to the Bullock College. We're, we're happy to share what we learned. Wonderful. Dan, can we put your, uh, 
your email in the liner notes if anybody does want to contact you. Yeah, please do. Please do. All right. Wonderful. Thanks Thanks so much, Dan. Have a good one. AV Show is a solution-focused event for athletics, fitness, recreation, and military professionals. No matter where you are in your career or the types of projects you're working on, AV Show's leading educational conference has sessions that will provide you with actionable insights, unique solutions, and new ideas you can implement right away. Learn more and register at avshow.com. Welcome back to the show, Andy. Another great conversation. Yeah, um, I really, I really appreciate Dan taking the time to, to speak with us. Uh, just a few quick housekeeping items before we wrap up today's episode of the show. As we mentioned in our bonus episode last week, we are uh, we do have a virtual booth set up at the Virtual Campus Rec and Wellness Expo that's uh, put on by our friends and partners at NURSA. Uh, so that actually begins today on February 23rd. Um, so if uh, you know you're attending that that virtual event, do be on the lookout for us. Come swing by our virtual booth, say hello. We'd love to see you. Uh, and we've got um, submissions that are still open for the architectural showcase. Yep, and we'll be for another month or so. So get those projects in. We want to see them. Um, other than that, uh, I think that's about it. I believe, I believe that's it as well. So uh, we're, that's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Business Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you liked today's episode, go ahead and share it with a colleague. Uh, give us a rating and review uh, on whatever podcast platform that you're listening to us on. Uh, and until next time, take it easy. <laughs>